mom on the pew. I recall all the prayer meetings that I attended. I'd take one boy in one arm and one boy in the other. Mom would take one in her arm, and we would pray, and we would hold tight. And we had a couple of boys that were full of life. I mean, a lot of life. <laughs> one father in our congregation came to me one time, and he had his son in his arms. And he said, honestly, Brother Grant, I grew up on the farm. And he said, holding this kid is like holding a spool of barbed wire that just came unraveled. If you've ever, <laughs> if you've ever pulled any barbed wire for fences, you know how it can sometimes jump off the spool and it can just tear you up. He said, holding this kid is like holding a spool of barbed wire that just came unwound. <laughs> Praise God. Well, <clears throat> God is good. <clears throat> all right. We want to stand for our scripture reading tonight. We do welcome all of our guests here to Calvary Gospel Church. I appreciate you being in attendance with us. I know these are very sentimental moments. We reflect back when we were children. They're just very valuable moments. We need to honor our fathers. We need to honor our mothers. There is something that's happening in America that is extremely embarrassing. We find that there is little regard to leaders. It has made its inroads into the home. I just am broken hearted when I hear people talking about their parents the way they do, children. I, I'm not going to say I never did, but I, if I did it was probably only once or twice, but I, I don't ever recall calling my dad my old man. I, I've heard kids say that. I just don't ever recall saying that. And I don't ever recall. What 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 are mothers called now? The old lady. I may have thought that. <clears throat> but I had enough respect for God and for my parents not to say it. You know, I'm believing, as I study the Scripture, that there is a direct link between the respect that you show to authorities and the fear of God, which is a reverential type of respect or fear. That if you don't respect people in positions of authority, you won't respect God either. There has to be a tie. It's like the love that we show toward God and the love we show to our brother. If a man says that he loves God, whom he has not seen, and doesn't love his brother that he has seen, 
the Bible says this man is just a liar. He makes that proclamation. One of the big things in the Old Testament was for fathers to bring their sons in before they died and bless them. And I think some of the most moving moments in this scripture is when you see a father bring in a son and bless them. Uh, it's, just, it's just a moving thing. David made a charge to his son Solomon in 1 Kings, the second chapter. I thought I'd already given you the... Did I give it to you? 1 Kings, the second chapter. This may sound like we're at men's retreat again. Last Sunday night, I, I finished a portion of my lesson that I gave it to men's retreat that I didn't get to finish. And tonight I'm going to talk a little bit about it. It's very fitting because it's Father's Day. This is David's charge to Solomon, his son. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth, be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. I want to speak tonight on the very simple subject, strong men. You may be seated. <clears throat> the calling in of the sons prior to death and blessing them. Some of the blessings came in this form, and that is a charge was given because David knew full well that Solomon would inherit the throne. So here is a man with a monumental responsibility of running a nation. Not for sure how old Solomon was at the time. Solomon felt very inadequate. He, he prayed that God would give him wisdom to go in and out and among the people. And there's one thing that if you're going to be successful in dealing with people, you must possess a good common sense in dealing with people. And I think it takes a whole lot of common sense to run a family. I think it was last Sunday night I made the statement, the most uncommon thing in the world is common sense. <clears throat> because as Americans, we are spoiled. You know that? I mean, we're just spoiled. We get pretty much what we want. We have just petted ourselves, pampered ourselves, pampered the flesh, petted the flesh. We are not disciplined people anymore. I think if you look at the vices that Americans are going after, you can understand how undisciplined we really are. As I made the statement, you see the word 
discipline and disciple come from the same Latin word. A disciple is one who disciplines himself to the teachings of another. That's why the followers of Christ were called disciples of Christ. Now, there are certain religious groups that instill in their people the need of discipleship. I was amazed when I picked up the paper, and I don't even remember the young man's name, but he was high in the NBA draft, seven foot six. He was in Utah. He belongs to the Mormon Church or the Church of the Latter-day Saints. And they were telling at seven foot six what a great player he was and how it was quite a moving story. I don't know if you read the story. I don't remember the boy's name. But uh, his dad's six foot eight. His mother's six foot tall. Now he has grown to seven foot six. And right at the time in which he could have gone to the NBA, and signed one of the most lucrative contracts that's ever been given to a human being in the sports field. He goes to Australia for two years as a missionary for the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, or, pardon me, the, the Church of the Latter-day Saints. All right. I got that wrong. The Mormon church that we commonly know. So he goes there. Two years. He's allowed to call home only twice. And that is Christmas and I think on his birthday or his mom's birthday or something. And he's just come back from a two-year tenure in Australia. Uh, you know, they have to go at their own expense, too. They raise money. Their family supports them. I wish that somehow the keepers of the truth could get the same spirit. It, it is amazing when you look at the possibility of our young people. I mean, Russia, you know, is just wide open now. Brother Nichols is home for the summer. And I am amazed. I hope to be able to get him here. He's gone to some of our Wisconsin churches. And this man has been asked to teach Bible theology in several leading universities in Russia. Can you believe that? It, it's just amazing. It's incredible what God's doing. Doors are being opened. Yet, you know, what's happened to our young people, though, they're just so crazy for fads. I'm serious. Just crazy. They just lose their brains. Just every little thing that comes by. Well, see, the problem is that those things that you think make up are those things that are the major components of life, you'll find out later on they're not major at all. They were very minor. In fact, 
one of these days you'll look back and say, how goofy, how silly, how wasteful. Spent all my time and energy on such. We just need to see the family restored. We really do. And there is a move to do this, but I'll tell you there is a big, big move to destroy it. The humanistic philosophies that are floating in our educational systems of America are bound to destroy the family unit if we give up any ground at all. I don't know, maybe it was Brother Manley in his prayer. I, I caught this. He, there are people that are branding us as being cults because we believe in a chain of authority. And that is the sole basis, just that we're fundamental. So you must be a cult if you, if you think you can tell people how to live. See, that is the vein of our present world. But now, if you read the signs of the last days, it shouldn't surprise us. One of the, the, very, one of the strongholds of Satan in the last days, he, he'll teach rebellion among children. You know that? They'll teach rebellion among children. There are two words that I want to deal with in this text that I read. I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. I want to talk about strong or strength. I want to talk about manhood. And then I want to talk about strong men, combine the two. First, I want to talk about the male gender. God. Now, this, this, this would not be popular. Uh, if, if somehow it got out in, a, in the newspaper, I would probably be uh, smeared, laughed out, and scorned. But I have lived long enough to know that, uh, you know, the Bible's right. The Bible says, beware when all men shall speak well of thee. You've got to watch it. If you're, if you're appeasing everybody, there's probably something wrong. And I also know that if a man shall live godly in this present world, he will suffer the persecutions of the flesh. They'll, they'll come. They, they will come. But when God made the planet Earth, I see something very, very special and something very beautiful. He put Adam in the garden. I read over and over and over the first account of the book of... Uh, the first account of man's creation, and I'm just amazed at the story of man being in the Garden of Eden. Can you, can you feature a perfect place of paradise? No rubbish? Trash? I mean, just a beautiful place. And whenever I think of 
the holy city that God's children are going to. This is what I, I think of. I, it must be more beautiful than the, the description, you know, of the Garden of Eden. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to go to heaven. I mean, if you read about it, especially when you look at the alternative, it's not very inviting, is it? It really isn't. And here is Adam, and God causes a deep sleep to come upon him. He took one of his ribs, and he closed the, up his flesh then, and created another human being, called her woman, because she came out of man. Now the amazing thing that I see that these two people were so close, their relationship was so beautiful, that they even had the same name. I was reading this in the scripture, and it just occurred to me, in, in Genesis, the fifth chapter, the Bible says, and this is the book of the generation of Adam in the day, that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him, male and female, created he them and blessed them, and call their name Adam. The first woman, what was her name? Adam. Their name was Adam. She was originally named Adam because she was one with him. It was not until after their sin and you will find, if you turn back to Genesis, the third chapter, and you look at verse 20, this is after the curse, and Adam called his wife's name Eve. Adam renamed her because of her sin. Now he named all of the other creatures of the earth, including the woman, now, please understand, this is not to degrade women. I did not write this history. I am not responsible for the writing of it. And I don't make choices for God. I am only a servant of God. And I can only tell you what the Scripture says. It was because that Adam's wife, Mrs. Adam sinned that her name was changed. Please, I want you to understand, I have high regards for our Christian ladies. But I also understand that in our world today, there's something happening it's, and it's playing on the sympathy of our ladies. It is. And not only that, it's making our children feel that because they are to be under obedience to their parents, that parents regard children as just, you know, some object of the home, like a robot. We just punch these buttons and you go here and you go there. And the sole purpose of children is so that parents will have something to punish. 
Read some of the articles. I mean, this, this business of child abuse, and while I do understand there's a lot of it in our world, this has blown so far out of proportion that a parent who is a conscientious parent, that, that he doesn't know what to do, especially in a public place like this church service, he doesn't know what to do to discipline his child. He just doesn't know what to do. And, and, I, and I think it's only wise that, that you use a lot of discretion in what you do in public places because you're not going to win the battle with the courts. You're not. Now, you can let your children watch any filthy old thing they want to watch, but please understand that, that the courts consider just almost any type of abuse, when I say abuse, maybe discipline, as abuse. Now, a child can go outside and play football and come in with his leg broke. You know, you gave him permission to do that, and you even encouraged him to do it, and, and that's different. child can come in with black and blue marks all over him from playing, and he doesn't even know when he got those black and blue marks. But you put one little spot on your child and see what happens. And the child can, can, can have it to happen to him and not even know. But if you happen to be responsible, oh, that's too bad, see. You're a cruel individual. So the chain of command was set up as a result of the sin of Eve. And then we find the strong teaching in the scripture of the separation of the sexes. And that just simply means that God defined roles. It's one of the strongest teachings of the scripture. Now, I'm going to keep on preaching this, and I'm going to keep on teaching this because it's scripture, and I think if there's anything that is destroying our society, it's because we don't clearly understand that. It's not making one individual inferior, another superior. It's just saying that there are different roles that they have as a result of what happened back in Genesis, the third chapter. Uh, you can find the, the, the story. The Bible says now the serpent was more subtle. That means he was skillful, crafty. He was sly. Boy, he knew how to tell a lie. And he knew how to get someone to believe it. Now, I don't know. I, I would just assume, maybe I'm assuming too much sometimes when the Scripture is silent, you're better off to be quiet also. But I'm assuming that if Adam or if Eve had not have uh, swallowed the story, that probably Adam would have. But regardless, uh, she did. And the Bible says because that the woman first partook of the fruit, 
that God established the chain of command. Verse 16 of Genesis 3, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now the word rule over thee, uh, I said the word rule, here doesn't mean that he would rule as some dictator rules. That's not what it's talking about. That's not it at all. It just simply means that the chain of command was set up so that there would be government in the home. And I assume that this order that was set up will last throughout eternity. Now, I'm not saying that that the order on the earth as it exists today, but there will be an order, even in eternity, because the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that when we get into the holy city, we will serve as kings and priests with the Lord. In other words, there will be some order there. Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verse 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, is a scripture that is used out of context. They say that God always was, He is now, and will always be, and they speak of certain attributes. I've heard people go so far as to say, well, we receive the Holy Ghost today because Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. When Jesus was here uh, and left, he poured out the Holy Ghost. Well, we know there was a day in which the Holy Ghost was not poured out. John 7, verse 37 through 39 tells us that. And we, can, we do also know that God has changed his position with mankind in the various dispensations. And a dispensation is simply a period of time in which God deals with man in a particular way. But if you look at Hebrews, the 13th chapter, and you look at verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, if you back up one scripture, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you, the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, and that is the end of their behavior. Wasn't this a beautiful song that our, our children sung in the choir? But they were addressing it to the dads, and they say, Now, Dad, we want to follow you. And basically, they will follow Dad, whether Dad lives the correct life or not. You know, every now and then I see a wayward father and I see a son going in his steps. And I think he's teaching that child to do exactly what he's doing. And there's several ways that you teach. Sometimes you give them direct commands. But most lessons are taught in such a silent way. It's just with the eyes of a child, he observes the priorities of his parents. He knows if his parents go to the prayer room. And he will place importance on his relationship with God according to the way his parents have placed that relationship. And if prayer 
is not a priority. The child will want to pray at the altar like that. Isn't that amazing? Now, it's, it's not true in every case, but for the most part, the children who pray a lot at the altar are children whose parents pray a lot at the altar or go to the prayer room. It's just the way it is. All right? So, verse 8 then follows verse 7. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And verse 9, And be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them, which have been occupied therein. Verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Now, every now and then, uh, you know, uh, I just want to set the record straight, so I'll save some of you a little energy. Every now and then I get uh, just a peak of a, you know, uh, a little insight. Somebody says, oh, well, Brother Grant just controls Calvary Gospel Church. He tells uh, the people how high to, how to jump, and they say, how high, Pastor Grant? You ever heard anything like that? I have. I've even been told by some of you that I'm that way. Now, you've got to understand one thing about me. I have very broad shoulders. And it don't amount to a hill of beans when you say that. Really, I don't care what you say. You're wasting your breath if you think that I'm going to change. Because I don't think to change would be the right thing. Now, I want to say this in kindness, but I want to say it firmly, okay? I have to answer to God for everybody I preach to. Now, the most that I can do for any of you is to just give you enough information to make the right decision. If I give you enough information, you make the wrong decision, your blood is not on my hands. But if I don't give you enough information to make the right decision, then your blood is required on my hands. Now that's scripture. And what I see in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, is that what the Bible is saying, God has always had a chain of command. He has always established an order. He has always had leaders. Even before Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, you have to understand that there were three archangels. So there must have been some type of order. Now I'm trusting that when I'm saying this, that the Word of God will grip your heart, just like the Word of God gripped our hearts this morning in a mighty moving service. And it's amazing to me how God just moves. I had a good long conversation with Brother Blake last night. We were coming back. There's one thing about Brother Blake. He can talk. If you haven't... And he knows how to ask questions. 
He just one question right after the other. Brother Grant, now what do you think of Brother Grant? Brother Grant, Brother Grant, Brother Grant. What do you think about it? Brother Grant, Brother Grant. We're, Sister Grant was falling behind us in her trailer and she was having trouble with the lights. And every now and then I have to say, uh, I, I just want to look at Sister Grant for a few minutes here. See, you know, and, and just as soon as I'd, I'd, I'd quit looking through the rearview mirror, he'd say, Now, Brother Grant, what do you think about it? <clears throat> but he asked one question. I want to I help you. I want to help you. You know, sometimes leaders are misunderstood. And the reason why that I'm saying this because I want to help all of you young people and maybe some of your wives in your relationship with your husband. When I preach, this is what Brother Blake's question was. When you preach, do you get discouraged with people sometimes? I said, Blake, I try to have as much faith for the people that I pastor when I preach to them that the Word of God will change them as I do when I'm preaching to a rank sinner that the Word of God will reach his heart and convict him. I see miracle after miracle after miracle. The way God moved this morning. Now, Sister Sharon stood behind the pulpit after I finished preaching, and you could have, you, there's no way you could have, a, have selected a, a song that would have fit that message better than that song. The thing about it is, she did, did not know what I was going to preach, and I did not know what she was going to sing. I had overlooked her. I did not see her. And I got up and dismissed the class. And I looked back. And there she was as big as life. And I said, oh, there's Sister Sharon. I called her up here and I said, Sharon, would you sing the song during altar service? She said, yes. I said, what are you singing? She said, I'm singing about God's love. It didn't sound like what I wanted. But I thought, well, she is prepared. And I made the mistake, so God, you're just going to have to cover. That's the way it is. Poor, ignorant guys like me get up here and make mistakes like this. So Lord, you're just going to have to somehow make it fit. But you could not have picked a better song for that altar service. There's no way. Now, Sharon was well across town when she decided what she was going to preach. I assume, maybe she was here at church, or sing, rather. And here I am halfway across the state. Didn't even know she was on schedule. You're talking about God putting things together. Now I'm saying that to say this. That I'm trying to help you understand some things tonight because, you know, God works in the behalf of what I'm talking about. And because that fathers have been given this responsibility, simply because that, I mean, who could determine what their child was going to be before the child was born? But you couldn't determine. Now, you may go to the doctor and they may run some test on you and say, oh, we understand you're going to have a little boy. But so far, 
we have not been able to determine prior to conception or at conception what the sex is going to be. So God made some male and some female. And that's just the way he did it. So basically what I'm saying, why don't we just all recognize that there is a difference and we have different roles and let's go on with, the, with life. Because I don't care how hard you try to fight against it, you won't change it. Now there's some isolated situations for an example. You know, when I read, when I read role reversals, I think of Ahab and Jezebel. Jezebel ran the throne. She was responsible for the killing of many godly, innocent people. But the problem is that as much as she wanted it to work, it did not work. And God held both Ahab and her responsible, and both of them met a terrible, terrible death. So there's some things you may defy and you may not like and you may say, I won't go along with it. But in the long run, you're going to end up realizing that it is not working. That's just the way it is. And see, that there's some, there is, there is a, in our world today, there is, there are all kinds of pressures and powers pushing and tugging against the church to destroy the church. Several years ago, the United Nations declared this is the year of the child. And then in America, we heard the slogan, Save our young people and save America. Do you believe that? Yes, I do. But I also believe that if you're going to save young people, you're going to have to save some parents. Because those parents are put there and children become putty in their hands to develop them. Was the song correct? I mean, the little child's like a piece of putty in the hands of the parent, molding them. Some young ladies grew up to be Jezebels because mom and dad either taught them to be that way or allowed them to be that way. Now, you may not like it, but that's true. And they grew up that way. They're taught that way. Then, then when they get married, and they marry a traditional type individual, that is with traditional Christian values, and they have problems in marriage, and you say, I wonder why they can't get along. Now, we've got to be smarter than that. And you know what I'm finding in and people today, and, and this this goes this is true for both male, male and female, is that most people today are not being taught how to get along with anybody. It's everybody's tugging and pulling, and we want our own way, and both the boys and the girls. Boys are not being taught to respect women, and there's some pressures, you know. Every time I go into a restaurant or wherever, if there's a lady present, I hold the door open. 
I have, I have had the door held open for ladies and had them to go to the other side and open the door as if to say, huh, I don't need your help, buddy. But I just keep on holding it open. Every now and then, some lady will smile and say, thank you, sir. I was taught to do that. I was taught to respect ladies. My mom says, you take Darlene out on a date, you go to her door, don't you blow the horn? You go to her door, and, and you greet her, and you go out and you open the door, and you put, put her in the car, and you close the door, and you go back around on the other side, and don't you dare do otherwise. That's right. You show respect for anyone you're dating. And I'll tell you another thing you Christians need to do. What's well, not a Christian then? You need to take your Bible. And you need to slide your Bible right between yourself and your date. So if that guy driving the wheel comes over your way, he's got to crawl over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to get to you. <laughs> Praise God. Well, let's give the Lord a good hand clap. You want to? <clears throat> Praise God. But see... The, the subtleness of this. See, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And can I say this? A little bit more also than man. He outwitted man. He's doing that today. So, <clears throat> there was a big movement not too long ago talks about God, and talks about God being a woman. Now, I don't know whether you agree with that or not. I don't, because I just take the Bible like it is, you know. I just The Bible's written in the masculine gender. The English language is that way. And all, most all languages are. But in America, we say, we're going to destroy this. We're going to change it, see. So after a while, see, the male man's no longer the male man, but the male person. The chairman's no longer the chairman, but the chairperson. Every now and then, and I have to say this, and this, this is probably a fault I need to pray through, but every now and then, just to make, just to be a little nasty, I guess, I don't know. I just have to say, chairman, so-and-so. You know, it, really, it, it's no big deal. It's not what you're called that makes the difference. It's, it's how you conduct yourself and how you act. Well, technically, I'm not a chairman. I'm a chairperson or a chairwoman. Well, if you want to be that technical, I guess you could throw the Bible away. You don't have to be born again. The Bible says, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except man be born again. Now, we all understand that. That's been our vernacular for years. But the serpent was crafty. And skillful. 
And there's a lot of that that is being pumped into our present society. Uh, I just, I just got to get into it, I guess. I, I don't want to take all evening, and I, I'm not even through my introduction. <clears throat> but listen to this. The, you know, the separation of the sexes is such a strong teaching in the Scripture. Now, America will never be able to solve its social problems because we don't understand the plan of God. We don't. This business of the military now, gays in the military. It's just, I've listened to some of these talk shows and Every place I go, I got my radio on. I'm listening to things like this. You pick up a lot about human nature, and it is amazing how people analyze this. Every now and then, somebody has the fortitude to call in and talk about scripture. And I have yet to hear anyone talk about scripture. What the commentator didn't come back and say, "Sir or ma'am, if you don't have a better argument than that, we prefer you not to talk about it." In God, we trust. One nation under God? We are killing ourselves. We're destroying ourselves. Why? Because we're destroying the foundation of Scripture. I have enough sense to know that Deuteronomy 22, 5, when it speaks of woman and man, a woman shall not wear that which pertaineth to a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment for all that do so are abomination of the Lord thy God. That, that the purpose of this was this, to keep the sexes separated. Well, I remember when I was a little kid and, and my, my, my mom was not a Christian and my grandmother was not going to church. But, but every now and then, I just hear one of them say, Oh, you don't want to put that on him. I mean, he's a boy. Every now and then I get a pair of cowboy boots and say, are those girls' boots? <clears throat> you may say, it don't make any difference to kids. It makes more of a difference to kids who are innocent than it does to adults who have made themselves believe otherwise. We were buying a pair of cowboy boots for one of our grandsons. And he happens to be in attendance here. And he walked with us. We, we couldn't find any to fit him, and he just wanted some. And we finally went over to the farm store, and we got those cowboy boots. He looked at them a long time. He calls me Papa, and he looked at me and said, Papa. Are these girls' boots? I said, no, son, they're not. <laughs> he then looked at his grandmother and he said, is he telling the truth? <laughs> I don't want any girl boots. <clears throat> you know, that's a, I mean, that made a difference to him.
So we got them. They were a little loud or whatever, you know. They, and, and, and the first thing he did when he showed them to his mom and dad, he says, and these are not girl boots. <clears throat> I've got to be a boy. Where did, where did he get that? Tell me where did he get that? God put that inside of him. That's where he got that. This is the reason why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, and 1 Corinthians 11, it talks about long hair on the ladies and short hair on the men, which diametrically opposes the American lifestyle. You know that. Well, we took our young people up at Sean and I was so thrilled. Sarah Hittersdorf came through, and she's got this long, flowing, blonde hair. Just beautiful. She walked by, and there was a lady. Of course, the lady did not know that I knew who she was because the girls were sitting at a different table. And this lady says, look at that beautiful hair. How does she get it so long? Well, she didn't do anything to it. That's how she got it so long. One of the ladies even said, I'd like to talk to her about that. Sarah came back through and they just had their eyes glued. I can't believe it. Well, 1 Corinthians 11 goes through the chain of command, and then it talks about the lady, and it says, But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if a woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. Isn't that something? For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. Now some religions interpret this. If you go into some churches, the ladies go in, they cover their head. And of course, traditionally, now I've seen a breakdown of this, but traditionally, I know when I was a kid, if you walked in any public place and you were a man, first thing you did, you took your hat off. Now we have boys that will walk in, got their hats way down, looking goofy. <clears throat> you know, you can read, read their mind. They said, we don't believe in God. We evolved from monkeys. <laughs> yep, Bubba, you probably did. I mean, just because Darwin thought you did doesn't mean you have to act like it. <clears throat> my, my, my. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither 
was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither is the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judging yourself, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Now notice this. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? Nature tells that little boy to get a haircut. Can you believe that? First Corinthians six, and we'll just we'll put your put your index finger there on verse fourteen and turn back to First Corinthians six. <clears throat> All right. First Corinthians six, the Bible says, <clears throat> Know ye not six verse nine. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, so forth and so on. Now the scripture is saying these people cannot and will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you have a little boy that has a tendency to be a sissy, do something about it. Even if you believe that a child is born to be gay, ungay him. Get him into heaven! If you have to take him out in the driveway and make him, make him eat gravel, do something to toughen him up. I'm talking to you about the Bible. The unadulterated Word of God. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair is a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair... It is a glory to her. Now she's supposed to pray with her head covered, for her hair is given her for a covering. Now nature teaches us that. Isn't that something what nature can do? Well, nature can pull some tricks on you that are correct. You can be thinking one way and acting another. You'll find out that you have to pervert your nature. You really do. If you don't believe that, turn to Romans 1. I might as well just preach the whole gamut tonight. Just all of it. Just throw it all in there. We may have to have a recess. Listen to this. Paul says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for is the power of of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, that it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, if I am understanding what he's saying when he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, he's making a similar declaration to the declaration that I'm making here tonight 
by saying, I've got to tell it like it is whether you like it or not. When he says, I'm not ashamed. Because this is what he says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. Now listen to this. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What he's saying here, if you look into this, there's enough fused into the nature of man that he cannot stand before God and say, Please, Lord, would you excuse me? He said, You can't do that. Now notice verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. What were they doing? They were worshiping the creature more than the creator. The American lifestyle promotes that. Just, oh, just thumb through your newspaper. Listen to your radio. Look at all the commodities that hit the market. Now, please understand, you know, Sister Grant just turned 50. And, and everything was done up in black. <laughs> so I am not making reference to this. Okay. And Sister Carolyn came down crying and all this. My wife is such a fun-loving person. And we had a party up at Camp 4. And, you know, we just made it as terrible as we could, just all in fun. But see the, you know, But here's the problem, though. There are people that get alarmed about growing old. I mean, they really do. Just, oh, no. Oh, my. You, you know, I, I'm getting wrinkles in my skin. You know. Age spots. It's all kinds of commodities. Cover up those age spots. Now, I'm saying that to say this. But the problem is that we, I am not against people wanting to look young. I am not against people looking young. But what I am saying is that there is a point in which you put more emphasis on your relationship with yourself than you do with God. And after a while, you'll find that I am a servant to myself. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. Now, if you look... At the original translation, this is what it says. Wherefore, God also gave up on them, and they turned to uncleanness. Now, let me tell you something. When God gives up on you, you're hopeless. When God says, I can't do anything else for that person. I mean, this is serious. Please, I say this with a burdened heart. 
the last chapter, last verse of the old Bible, 400 years, silent years. God does not speak to Israel, but the last verse, the last chapter of the book of Malachi, he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And what he's saying is, if we don't get the family back together, the human race will not survive the wrath of God. Oh, this is serious business. I'm not reading from the Sunday funnies. I'm not taking it from the J.C. Penney catalog. Taking it from the Bible. Here's what happened to these people. God turned them over to uncleanness through the lust of their own bodies to dishonor their bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave up on them. I'm changing that to the... For this cause God gave them up, all right, unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Just read an article about two ladies who were living together, and they married each other. Now, they couldn't legally do it, but they married each other, and in order to have a family, they were artificially inseminated. So we can have our family. And this is happening between men, too. Now, I don't care what you say. It's not natural. It's not normal. When God put a deep sleep upon Adam, he did not make another man. And likewise also the men, having the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust toward one another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was met. And even as they did not to like, like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those which those things which are not convenient. You know what a reprobate mind is? Can I tell you? According to the Greek, a reprobate mind is a mind void of conscience. They do not have a conscience anymore. They just don't have a conscience. That's what a reprobate mind is. God just simply gave them up. Well... I've talked about the man. Now, I wanted to talk about being strong, and I, I, I was joking when I said I we may just have to go a long time. I don't want to go any longer. But I only want to say this. <clears throat> there is a scripture in the book of Hebrews, the fifth chapter, that I, I, I want to read. It, it's, it's very important. Hebrews 5.11. Talk about being strong. It's just in boys to want to be strong. Our little granddaughters, Lana, I paid a 
probably more attention to than the others because she was the first granddaughter, the first grandchild. She got old enough to talk. She'd call me on the phone. I, I couldn't understand the things she'd say. It was just long. She'd talk, 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 talk. I'd always say, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. One day I was saying that was the cutest thing. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden she said, Papa, you do? I don't know what I was agreeing with. <clears throat> but <clears throat> they want to go over the store, buy me a little doll, carry this little doll around. Did you know the greatest responsibility in the world is to rear children? That's a responsibility that's really given to the woman. To bear those children, to rear those children. It is not a degrading thing. But I tell you, you can't teach your children values if they're put in some kind of a daycare every day. I'm not against somebody babysitting children. I'm not against women working. But I am saying that somewhere you're going to have to, if you, there is a point in which you will have to pay a terrible penalty. Please understand that. Nobody is going to instill in your child Christian values like you will. Verse 11. All right. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when, for a time, you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be uh, the first principles of the oracles of God, now, what he's saying is, you're old enough, you ought to be teachers, but really, you need a teacher. All right? And are become as such as having need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, you babes in Christ, you know... Whenever I talk like this, sometimes I have great concern because you have not developed the mind of Christ like people who have been in the body of Christ for a long time. And the Bible says the carnal mind cannot know the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. I don't care how much a man read his Bible. If he is not in tune with God and he has a vibrant relationship with God, he'd hear a message like this and he'd say, is that preacher goofy? Wake up! This is 1993. Verse 14. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use use their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. Now notice what he says, by reason of use, have their senses exercised. Now it's just in men to be strong. The Bible calls the woman, what, the weaker vessel, does it not? Because most ladies are physically weaker. Now you may disagree with that. Uh, if you uh, don't agree with me, just come up here. I'll arm wrestle any lady in the church. I'll take on any two of you. <clears throat> <laughs> no, I really wouldn't. <clears throat> I wouldn't want to embarrass you. 
<laughs> Wasn't that ugly? That was just ugly. I'm just trying to be ugly on some things tonight. No, I'm not. That's right, Liz. I'm, I'm being sweet. Yes, there you go, Liz. All right. <clears throat> but, <laughs> but have you noticed... Brother Grace said something at camp last year about this, by reason of use. You know, he, he talks about children, how that you have problems with these little children, don't you? You know, Sister Manley's son. You know. <laughs> really. He was up here singing Old Fashioned Sunday, and he had those boots on. He was standing there, and he got down like this, and he was looking at everybody's boots. Oh, he was swaying like this to the music, looking at all those boots. Boots. Brother Manley popped his finger. Now you can pop your fingers real. Pop your fingers. Boy, he can go real loud. It's like his mom. I've heard her pop her fingers before. He'd say, Keith, stand up. He'd stand up. He'd just go back down. Look at those boots. See, Dad says, stand up. But but God put that wiggle in him, see? See? Why does he have the wiggle? Why is it that a person's metabolism changes after they get 20? Or even in their teens? You know, you can't slow them down until they get to be teens. You think, boy, I've got myself a real worker here. He's going to mow the lawn. He's going to... He's going to wash all the windows. He's going to wash the car. And all of a sudden you go in one day and you can't wake him up. Five or six years later, you're still trying to wake him up. Would you please get out of bed? You look at these big old bulging muscles. Say, look at all that power going to waste. Where did he get those? By reason of use. Because he can climb every tree in the yard. See? He's had a fight with every kid in the neighborhood. That's how he got to be that way. And did you know as fathers, listen, if we become strong men of the Word, it will be by reason of use. We exercise our senses. We become extremely sensitive. I was amazed one day when I watched two hunters that were stalking a big buck. And I saw, I literally saw this man, this deer rather, get down and turn in a furrow, crouch down, and he crawled by these two hunters. They were probably no more than ten yards apart. They had no idea that he was doing that. Where did he get that sharp? Where did he get that wise? For years he has been roaming the forest with a watchful eye. Nobody's going to get me because he knows the hunter is after his hide. I will not become a mount on somebody's fireplace. That's how sensitive he is. 
Don't you think it's time for God's men to be the real watchmen of the wall of their household? To pray, to seek God, to trust God. Nobody's going to destroy my family. That should be our cry. Listen to this. He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind. Sounds like I'm reading from the book of Proverbs, doesn't it? Guess where that comes from? From the book of Proverbs. <laughs> the man should be the stabilizing force in the home. But some men can walk through the house and it's just a shambles whenever they leave through, go through. Because, I mean, he should be the stabilizing force. The strong person. He that troubleth the house shall inherit the wind. You know what you get when you get a wind? Pretty much nothing. That's what the scriptures say. Just a bunch of wind. That's all you get. I want our fathers to stand again. Fathers, let's bind together. I, I, uh, I don't want to discourage anyone. I don't want to discourage these young people. I don't want to discourage these precious ladies, members of our congregation. Some of these ladies are, listen, I'm, I'm amazed. Our single parents, some of these ladies have to be a father and mother. It's also true of some of our men. They've had to be a, both a father and a mother. We need each other. Oh, God, do we need each other. And do we need the Holy Ghost anointing upon our lives. Sensitive to the needs of our wife. Sensitive to the needs of those children. And sensitive to the will of God. Lord, right now I pray. Pass over this congregation. Oh, Lord, with a special touch, I pray, God, that you'd bring in a basket full of gifts and place upon each man tonight. Oh, that he may receive from the Lord that which he needs. May his devotion in God be strong. May the mighty hand of Almighty God rest upon our men. Touch these fathers, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for our fathers. God, we thank you. Oh, God of heaven. Let your glory, let your power, let your anointing, God, rest upon us. We love you, Lord. Now let's all stand together. Our praise singers will come now. But we can't be strong without God. I say we can't be strong without God. My heart must be devoted to Him. Oh, 
God. word is true at conception I programmed your mind to think the way that you think but because of your entanglement with the world the evil one has reprogrammed you so that you no longer think the way I intended for you to think therefore I say unto you that your minds must be reprogrammed through a constant study of my word and through a constant relationship with me. I will come and abide with you and teach you. For when he, the spirit of truth, shall come, he shall lead you into all truths. I am the Lord your God. I seek for a special one. I am molding you and making you. You're in my hands. I want you to spend eternity in my presence. I shed my blood. I died upon the cross. I became a sacrifice. Don't you understand my love? But the evil one seeketh not but to kill and steal and destroy. Listen to me. I will give you life, saith the Lord. Oh, God. Oh, Lord. Yandarehu sakare hikamato seketore. Undarehu tekementi akura muta sakete. Oh, let the Holy Ghost move in you right now. You want to come to the altar? Come on to the altar. Whatever you need to do right now, just do it. The anointing is heavily upon this. The anointing is heavily in this place tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Semo sukore uta sakamara hatadekote. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel your presence, Lord. I feel your power, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on right now and surrender your life to the Lord. This may be your first visit here. Why don't you come on right now and just give your life to the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, God. I love you, Jesus. Mm. Oh, Jesus, I love you, adore you, I'll bow down before you, Heavenly Father, 
Appreciate the Lord. Would you tell Him how much He means to you? Let's devote these last closing moments of this service to our Heavenly Father. Bye. 